Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you to search the Scriptures with us as we investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Kingdom of God. We're glad you joined us again to reflect on some of the great questions of life. We invite you to explore the Bible with us as we ask some of the basic questions which do not often seem to get asked. For example, what was the gospel as Jesus himself preached it? Why is Jesus the most important figure ever to have stepped this earth? Was he just a benign Galilean peasant wishing everyone well? Was he indeed the long-haired figure so often presented to us in religious art? We want you to share our joy at discovering the answers to these questions. And there are answers. And they're found in the pages of the Bible you probably have at home. It may be that you're among those 59% recently polled as to why they didn't actually read the Bible. 59% said they didn't have time. 40% said they found the Bible too hard to understand. And 36% said it was not relevant to their life. May I suggest that in the case of every one of those polled as to why they didn't read the Bible, the problem is really lack of understanding. The Bible can be a difficult book if we're not guided into how to understand it. But there are keys to understanding, and I want to present them to you in this ongoing discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the kingdom of God. I wonder if you knew that Jesus charged the religious leaders of his day with having taken the key to the Bible away from the ordinary people. With all their learning, the religious establishment of Jesus' day had actually made the Bible into a very difficult book. They had scrambled and befuddled its information. They hadn't given the people the key. Jesus called this the key of knowledge, Luke 11:52. Jesus was unhappy with the religious leadership of his day. They had hidden the key of knowledge from the people. In the parallel passage in Matthew 23, verse 13, we find further information about what that key was. Jesus said the religious leaders had closed the kingdom of heaven, or kingdom of God, those two terms mean exactly the same thing. They had closed the kingdom of heaven to people who were trying to enter it. The ordinary people were trying to find out how to enter the kingdom, but their leaders, who ought to have been teaching the people, had actually taken away the key. Do you remember how other prophets had said the same thing? Hosea had bewailed the fact that the people had rejected knowledge. In fact, people, said Hosea, were actually being destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. You read that in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. And in Malachi, chapter 2, verse 7, we read that the priest's lips should preserve knowledge, that is, the precious knowledge that leads to immortality. But uh, we mustn't take too dismal a view of all this. We should take heart from the marvelous words in Proverbs, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. And these say that if you cry out for knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding... If you seek knowledge as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will understand 
what it means to reverence the Lord God. What wonderful words. You know, we're living in a society which thrives on technical information. But when it comes to religion, often you will hear it said, don't make me think, just give me an experience. Now that's the quick way to failure. Oh, it may seem pleasant to have all kinds of religious experiences, but the Bible counsels us to seek knowledge as though it was silver and to pursue it as though it were hidden treasure. I want you to know that much of Jesus' teaching reflected this thirst for a proper understanding. Don't let anyone tell you that you don't have to use your intellect to serve God. Jesus actually said that we're to love God with our heart and soul and intellect. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And even the word heart in the Bible doesn't mean your emotions. It means the whole center of your personality. Often the Hebrew word heart is properly translated in our English Bibles by the word mind. So right there, in the famous text about how to love God, there are two words which say that we must love Him with our mind and our intellect. That second word means our reasoning power, our brains in other words. There's no such thing as Christianity without understanding. I wonder if you remember those remarkable words found in the little epistle of John, 1 John 5.20. John the Apostle there said that Jesus came to give us an understanding so that we could come to know God. 1 John 5, verse 20. Looking forward to an ideal time coming in the future, the prophet Jeremiah said that God is one day going to give the people pastors who will feed them on knowledge and understanding. Now, God called such pastors men after God's own heart. Did you fully grasp that remarkable statement of Jeremiah? God is interested in pastors who will feed the people on knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. We invite you to look up these verses and feel the force of them right from the pages of your own Bible. Allow the Spirit, which is the energy behind the words of Scripture, to cause these words to sink deeply into your mind. Meditate on these things. That's the only way the Bible can be digested. Just as food has to be assimilated into our physical bodies through the digestive process, so spiritual food. That's to say, God's words given us through His various agents, the prophets and Jesus Himself, can only be taken into our systems by diligent and regular reading and meditation. It's amazing when you think about it that we seldom miss a mealtime, and yet 59% of those polled as to why they don't read the Bible said they didn't have time. Well, these are people who have not developed a taste for the Bible. That's what we want to convey to you in these programs, a delight in the Bible, a recognition that it's God's love letter to you who are part of His creation. Only by His grace is any one of us breathing and living and experiencing life. But God gave us a Bible as a kind of map to guide us through the journey of life. He wants us to understand it. He wants us to avoid the pitfalls of life by heeding its instructions. And God wants us to have immortality, but He doesn't force it upon us. He doesn't force us to make the right choices that lead to immortality. He gives us the responsibility of doing that.
But what many do not seem to understand is that this life is temporary. It's going to end after, at the most, about 90 years. And then what? Did you think that you had a kind of inbuilt immortality? Do you really believe that you're going to go on in some other world the moment you die? Well, the Bible says that only God has immortality. So let's not deceive ourselves into thinking that we have some kind of immortal soul that's going to waft us away into some never-never land. That's actually what the pagans believed. But unfortunately, some Christians have taken in that sort of thinking and confused it with the Bible. Now, notice this. Jesus was indeed, we might say, in the immortality business. I don't mean that he had something to sell, literally. What I do mean is that Jesus realized that human beings were in desperate need of immortality. After all, what could be more important than your destiny? Jesus came offering a way which would lead to immortality in the future resurrection. He promised life in the coming kingdom of God on earth. No wonder then that the good news has to do with the kingdom of God and how you can enter it one day. Entering the kingdom of God has to do with being born again. But how does one get born again? That's the crucial question. And the answer is very simple. You must respond positively and with enthusiasm and a whole heart to Jesus' information, his gospel. Go back to the words of Jesus and see what instructions he gave for gaining immortality in the kingdom. Doesn't it make sense that Jesus is the one who had the secrets which lead to life forever? The amazing thing is that people, even some churchgoers, don't seem to be concentrating on the words of Jesus. I've even heard it said that the teachings of Jesus are not important. All that counts is the fact that he died and rose again. Well, certainly the death and resurrection of Jesus are crucially important. Without those facts, there would be no Christianity at all. But, you know, Jesus did not just come to do three days' work. He came to do much more than that. And what was that, you may be wondering? Well, let Jesus answer that question for us. Turn in the Bible, if you have one, to Luke chapter 4, verse 43. In that famous text, Jesus said, I came to preach the kingdom of God. That's the reason for which I was commissioned. I came, in other words, to proclaim the gospel or the good news about God's coming kingdom. That's the purpose for my whole mission. Luke chapter 4, verse 43. So you see, the secret of immortality is bound up with the kingdom of God message, Jesus' own good news. And it was the kingdom teaching that Jesus said the preachers of his day had taken away from the people. That's what made Jesus so angry, and that's why he dedicated himself to a tireless ministry of preaching the message or the gospel about the kingdom. I wonder if you ever noticed that in Luke chapter 8 and verse 8, Jesus raised his voice. Now, if we were dealing with computers, we would have all caps and all bold letters at this point in the reports of Jesus' ministry. He raised his voice. That's the only time that Luke ever said he did that in Luke 8, verse 8. It must mean that there's something of tremendous importance being said there. And what Jesus said in Luke 8, 8 was, Let him who has ears to hear, hear, or listen carefully. And it was in a context in which Jesus was explaining how his own gospel message 
was received by different kinds of people. This is the famous parable of the sower that we're dealing with in Luke chapter 8. And I want to spend a few programs on this very central passage of Scripture because it tells us in no uncertain terms that Jesus' own message is the critical factor in salvation. It is Jesus' own preaching of the gospel that means the difference between life and death for each of us. There are some amazing truths found in this passage about the parable of the sower, or rather the parable of the soils, because people are likened to different types of soil in their capacity to receive the message of the gospel. We have time only to introduce the parable today, but we will continue to study it in subsequent programs. I'm looking in chapter 8 of the Gospel of Luke, and by way of introduction, Luke here reports that it came about soon afterwards that Jesus began going about from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Here you have the master then, surrounded by his most devoted disciples, and here you have the heart of the ministry of Jesus. It was a proclamation of the gospel about the kingdom. Here, of all passages in Scripture, we should be listening carefully because the Master, Jesus himself, is about to describe to us the secrets of immortality in the coming kingdom. Join us again as we continue to probe Jesus' master teaching on immortality as he offers it to us in his good news about the kingdom of God.